Welcome to Serially Hooked Star Wars. We are your hookers, Chris and Richard, and today they never listen. Woo! <laughs> wow, somebody's bringing the energy. All right, all right. Um, find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all our latest info. Make sure to subscribe so you'll have all of our all of our new episodes coming to your podcast app of choice. Damn straight. Damn straight, indeed. And with that, teaching is not all it's cracked up to be. I'm surprised you don't have live or die or something of that nature in this <laughs> quote stuff because I mean I thought about it. It's a good one. Um, so got, many good quotes. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, quotes galore this episode. Yeah. I thought about like you like conviction as well. You know, there were a lot of great quotes. Or just like one. incorrect. Oh, so good. <laughs> or what did you say wrong? Whatever he said. Whatever. Whatever he it was said, so it good. It was amazing. Oh. Damn. Who would have thought? Who would have thought 10 years ago that we'd be happy to see Hayden Christensen return to a Star Wars thing? Not only happy, over the moon. Like, what? This <laughs> right? is incredible. I feel bad for anyone who hasn't watched any of the Star Wars stuff, like the Clone Wars, Rebels, all this stuff. Because also, this show isn't for you, right? This show mm. is the... And and with this episode in particular, it's just like the culmination of a Star Wars fandom that has left people who only watch the movies behind. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. you just can't enjoy this as much as people who have an attachment to Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship and understand the meaning of this and how incredible it is. And also, on top of that, here in this episode, we get the best portrayal of Anakin Skywalker ever. And yes. that's incredible to see. Ah, so I'm just like <laughs> ready to run through a brick wall right now. <laughs> okay, let's run through this brick wall together, holding hands. Um, what an episode. What, so, I mean, uh, you know, you just gave us your initial impressions. Um, we were very, very curious last week. What we're go like, you know, what we're gonna get, and I'm so happy what we got. We got flashbacks. We get like a young Ahsoka. We get a lot of great, like Darth Vadery stuff. The like visually, this episode has it all. It was the best. It was like best looking episode of this entire season for sure. Yeah, and easy. The, also, I would even say the best looking Star Wars. Z episode of all of Star Wars television. Andor is looks better in some cases, but is more grounded and feels more real. When we're talking about the fantasy elements of Star Wars, the big like spaces, the the mystical elements of the Force and the fights and all these things, this episode is just over the top. It's just incredible. Uh, yeah, I just can't like. I just can't. I just can't. It's so good. I mean, I have one big nitpick, and I think we you would have the same one, and that has nothing to do with Ahsoka and Anakin. That stuff is perfect. I love it. Um, uh -huh. I just love also one of the things that I really, really, really enjoy from this episode is the mystery of what is happening here and yeah. where is Ahsoka? What's going on? What is the meaning of this lesson? Is this actually Anakin as a Force ghost? Is it just like a like an internal like, um, memory thing that Ahsoka is dealing with? I think it's just so many layers to this and metaphors and, and points that are intentionally left unclear and up for debate, which I think is just a beautiful masterstroke by... 
Dave Filoni in creating this episode in a way that it allows us to imagine the version that we want to imagine and not over scientifying whatever the hell it is they're doing with other versions of Star Wars. It is absolutely incredible. I loved it. And I was afraid at the end of last episode that we would get something more akin to the actual world between worlds that we saw in Star Wars Rebels, mm-hmm. where they're just physically go they can like they can physically go somewhere. I think the mystery of this episode is incredible. I obviously love Ahsoka and Anakin in all their different layers. That we can get into the, what we think the meanings are, what we actually think our imaginations of it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we can also obviously nitpick the stupidity that is Jason and their continued re- like. Why are they putting him in this? Uh, there are some nice shots I actually do really like about like what's happening on Cetos. Like there are some cool things there mm. for sure. I love Huyang still. Like Hera's <sighs> really cool. Like there's this grief that's incredible and this and this quiet that goes over the whole thing that's I think really well done. Um, I think the ending is really cool as well. Like I just there's a lot of things happening on all of all sides of this episode. I mean, minus Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we start at the beginning? Um Hera and who meets Hu Yang, who you know says laments that they didn't listen that Sabine and uh, Ahsoka didn't listen to him, and they are now gone. Nobody knows what's happening. Uh, they're doing a search party, um, and yeah, Jason is there for some reason, uh, <laughs> and becomes important for some, again. We're going to talk about this, um, and we have Anakin and Ahsoka. Uh, in what what was it called again that fantasy realm thingy a world between worlds or the world between worlds there you go um and anakin says he is here to finish her training uh, it's never too old to learn snips all of those great quotes just get all of the quotes ready um and you know we get some lightsaber fights again oh gotta love it i'm just, I'm just so happy about this episode <laughs> It just means Goodness. so much to see Anakin and Ahsoka initially interacting here <sighs> and her confusion yeah. about what's going on. And I also don't think we're actually in the worlds between worlds. That's my understanding. Of, mm. or, or in a version of it that is imagined by Ahsoka to a certain extent um, and amplified by the Force. I'm not really sure what it is. Um, there's an interesting theory where it's like she meditated into it um, mm. in a way that like uh, is different or a different access point that you can get to it as opposed to um, the physical access point that we saw in Star Wars Rebels because I mean mm-hmm. it's it's just confusing to what it actually is but I'm fine with that and in the end I really like that she ends up facing Anakin here uh, facing her clear grief that she's feeling up until this point in the season and we know it's wrapped up in anakin and just to face him is i think a big step in her journey and obviously continues uh but this initial exchange where it's very peaceful very akin to the relationship that we knew them to have early on uh is incre- is incredible to see because as we slowly go from lesson to lesson, we get the reveals or the the growth of Anakin Skywalker is changing, and then how Ahsoka herself uh, gets left behind in that. Absolutely, um, and I think we should probably like split things up. I would try to go plot by plot, but I think it makes more sense to 
go um uh you know the real world and the uh, dream sequence maybe fair enough i think that makes sense yeah and so let's just just get it out of the way what the fuck is up with jason who cares why are they doing this we were really hoping they would he wouldn't be important but apparently he is going to be important he is force sensitive who young is uh, like all like he's like yeah finally somebody with force powers here somebody with promise not like sabine which is not what he's saying but that's what, what it felt like to me and he can hear them fight in the waves and i just thought fuck come on really this stupid kid honestly i don't mind the idea what i mind is the execution and the writing of it and the actual acting i don't think it's a good portrayal of a character and (laughs) it's just the way that he speaks to Hera directly there's one exchange where he is basically edging or uh, like edging um Hera on to be like go 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 like think about it like or like listen listen and the way that he just talks to her is so so silly and unnatural and it feels so rigid. It makes me think that the casting for this was done by some important person's kid, basically. I don't think it's actually yeah. a good actor. No, you can see this person acting, basically. And it's like, just there is no... There's also no kind of chemistry between Hera and Jason, like the or the actors, rather. Yeah. It's just, this is not a mother son relationship this is not a familial relationship this is almost like he he doesn't talk down to her but he, it is like a peer relationship almost it's kind of weird honestly yeah it, it just it just threw me off the entire time and i don't know i'm just not happy about jason at all maybe maybe yeah maybe it is just unfortunate casting but yeah as you said like the writing isn't great either and we know they can write some good like characters that aren't that old so why did they fail here i mean i guess it's whatever it's it's a side character in an episode that doesn't really matter like as a character my worry is that he's going to become more central but it's nice that now it looks like now that we've gone past the halfway point of the season he's no longer going to be here or not really at all visible in the rest of the season yeah i mean Let's hope so. I mean, it, it is going to center all ar- around uh, Hera and Sabine anyway, so we'll probably not see much. Ahsoka and Sabine. What did I say? Hera and Sabine. That's fine. Oh, yeah. Ahsoka and Sabine. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, we get a few, you know, as we as we always do, we get some um, things with chain of command and uh, some institutional things. Always, always love that. One of the things that I like about the beginning of the episode is even before we were talking about um, Jason and Hera listening through the void or whatever is Hu Yang. And mm-hmm. he starts basically by holding Ahsoka, uh, Sabine's helmet and wondering. And and Hu Yang has been such a snarky character, as you mentioned previously, like an actually good C-3PO character so far. And the grief he feels and the way that David Tennant is able to portray the voice of Hu Yang and the emotions of 
what is this? I mean, it's a droid, right? So it's interesting to see that level of range of emotion in in a, in a character like that that's programmed a certain way. But I I really loved that to set the tone of the episode because the episode mm-hmm. starts with these overhead shots of Cetos, of this quiet, of this this calm not before the storm but after the storm and it's as if nothing is there and i really like how that then tone is reinforced by hu yang's voice and it's i thought that was a really great touch to way to start an episode and begin something that was it it ultimately is a sideshow to the main part of this episode but mm. uh, i think it's it's incredible to see that and then in juxtaposition with Jason is, is annoying but you know we deal with what we have yeah for sure I was always you know disappointed when we got back to it from what is clearly the heart and soul of this episode of this show of everything that's good about Star Wars that's right people Anakin and Ahsoka <laughs> um, and how loudly did you yell when we get the first Clone Wars flashback? I was just over the moon. I, I think I like viscerally jumped out of my seat. Like I'm <laughs> just, just like holding back yells because it's the middle of the night. But <laughs> mm. it was absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, I really obviously loved it. It's unsure where we were in the first mm-hmm. uh, flashback. Um, I've read theories that it's a battle of Ryloth. I've read theories that it's second battle of Geonosis, that there's different things there. Um, it does suggest, I mean, the most common understanding it is, is the battle of Ryloth because there are Twi'leks in the flashback. But mm-hmm. um, it's interesting just that they did make it so ambiguous. I'm not sure why, uh, but I just love getting this, portrayal of ahsoka in live action the young ahsoka in particular it was it, that was absolutely stunning i never expected that mm-hmm. same i thought i thought that was a master stroke and also that they are both of them are aware of what's happening it's not like the anakin in the um in the vision or whatever it is is like just a memory it is the same anakin that you know uh, from the world between worlds uh who is still trying to teach her stuff <laughs> like uh, even though she just looks younger and everything uh, you know and I he looks that. younger too he's wearing his garb yeah. from that time so they're both dressed as they were in the clone wars but their spirits are inhabiting their modern spirits or whatever the spirit is that the training method is is inhabiting these moments of key moments in ahsoka's training where a at the beginning she is questioning whether or not she should be a soldier she's facing the reality of being on the battlefield mm-hmm. and, and witnessing death and and really she she says this is what this isn't what i trained for because she comes out mm-hmm. of the jedi temple trained as a jedi ideally and that's not at all what they're prepared for, but it's Anakin's job to make her a soldier. And that's what he says, basically. And then you juxtapose that with the second flashback, which we'll get into later, which is a season Mandalore. But you can see how the different moments of her training, basically the arc of her training from the beginning of the Clone Wars to the end of the Clone Wars, all in this one episode. And her reflecting on that, her modern spirit reflecting on the effects of that training and showing how she can eventually overcome that and move beyond it, I guess goes to the lesson at the end. But it's an absolute 
great way to see this and also feed some beautiful nostalgia for us as viewers of the Clone Wars. And then also, it's just visually gorgeous. It's this mm-hmm. beautiful haziness. Obviously, it's shot in the volume, and that's why it's hazy and not huge and, and big scope and obviously budget reasons. But I think it's the most effective use of the volume I can think of in terms of creating a dreamlike space space that isn't tethered to reality but that's on purpose and i think that was absolutely gorgeous yeah absolutely i love the surrounding and everything that it is all kind of it's almost like a video game where like the more you move forward it just has to buffer and like create the environment yeah um and obviously we get a nice intercut with like anakin as darth vader um, you mentioned the, you know, they look visibly younger, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Ahsoka is a younger person, but just the way that um, the makeup and the look on on Hayden Christensen slash Anakin goes. Also, you know, you follow around and then he has the scar above his eye and everything when he turns and has the red lightsaber li- later on. I just love that entire visual, like... Um, manifestation of where they were at in time really dug that is this the first time we see Captain Rex in live action I'm not sure I think so because when else would he have appeared he wasn't in Book of Boba he wasn't in Kenobi was he in Kenobi I don't think so yeah well this is it which is also like a little side amazing thing that we just saw here (laughs) yep absolutely everybody's freaking out when you hear that voice and you know who it is did they use Tamora Morrison's voice or did they use the Clone Wars voice actor? I don't know, actually. Very interesting question. I don't know either, um, but we can we can look that up later. Um, I was also, you mentioned the t- the Twi'lek in the background. I for a second thought that might have been, one of them might have been Barris Offie, which would have been an interesting callback as well. But yeah, I think you're right. It, might, it was probably Twi'lek. Um, still love all, all about it and uh, the entire thing that uh, Anakin explains, like basically the you know um, the training from generation to generation and how it's different depending on um, on the circumstances, which is why he had to train her as a as a soldier, as a warrior. Um, but that she also has things in her that he taught her from different generations. Um, because not it wasn't always, uh, you know, there wasn't always an intergalactic or intergalactic war happening. So I, li- I like that thing that we get with Jedi a lot, you know, the um, handing down of information, the training from uh, teacher to master who then becomes a teacher and so forth. Um, that is just so essentially Star Wars. And he says to her, you're part of a legacy. Right, you are mm-hmm. everything that I am and more, and that is just the perfect encapsulation of stewardship and, and teaching in a way that is, as you said, is fundamentally Star Wars. Is this Padawan master relationship, and she's we're seeing this in action, and we're seeing her want to rebel against that because she doesn't <laughs> want to be like Darth Vader. She doesn't yep. want to be a soldier, but her circumstances have forced her into becoming that. So where we are now is her trying to find her place in this world despite her training. Not 
not as a consequence of our training, but to overcome and live instead of die in the face of everything that she's, uh, all the challenges she faced up until this point. Exactly. And maybe, who knows, teach people as well. We'll get to that later. Um, but I think, yeah, also the, that's why I chose that quote in the beginning, you know, teaching is not all it's cracked up to be, because I think that is a huge thing in this episode. Um, before, but before we talk about that, we get flashback to the Siege of Mandalore and we see Death Watch. And it was really interesting seeing seeing those helmets with this with the like death mall uh darth mall and in inspired horns and everything um obviously people who've watched the shows know exactly what's happening uh, everybody else is like okay mandalorians what's happening um which <laughs> you know for people who have not watched anything else maybe the mandalorian the live action one um they would be also confused, like, okay, but we've never seen Jedi fight Mandalorians and what's going on. Um, but we, of course, know. Um, we know the truth. We do know the truth. And, um, yeah, they talk a little bit, uh, again, about the training and how how Ahsoka has evolved. She directly says, okay, this is when we had already separated and I was here on my own. Um, and then we get... Anakin with the red lightsaber telling her she lacks conviction and attacks her again with this very episode three Revenge of the Sith um, vibe and look. His hairstyle is not as bad as it was in that uh, in that movie, but um, obviously a callback. And as I mentioned previously, the scar and everything, uh, which I just thought was a great subtle touch. The choreography here is incredible. Mm. in terms of their fighting styles it's in, especially in contrast to the last episode where we saw Balin Skull and Ahsoka fight it seems much more samurai and European knight-esque mm -hmm. it seems like this you know, these broad strokes and precision and all this going against this brute force of Balin Skull and here you have just how incredible Anakin was as a as a fighter. He was strong, he <laughs> mm. was fast, he was agile. You can see all of this coming out all into the fruition here. I think like it was beautiful to see because it melded the Anakin Skywalker we saw from the prequels and from the Clone Wars all in this beautiful new space that doesn't make us want to cringe every time he opens his mouth. So <laughs> I think it was it was really, really nice in the different settings that they put this in. So from the first fight they have on in the wor world between worlds on the little bridgeway, gorgeous, you know, with the blue lightsaber. And then the transition to the dark lightsaber, you didn't, mm -hmm. we didn't even talk about the um, that initial shock flash of the Darth Vader uh, mm. visual from behind in the first flashback. An absolute shocker there. Or not shocker, but like it, it, it just like... Everything that was done in this episode just made you feel something about Anakin and his future and Ahsoka and their relationship and everything comes back. Everything comes down to this episode. I just don't know how to say it other than that. I say it better than that or more, more succinctly than that. It's so great to hear Hayden Christensen say like utter lines that are basically lines from Clone Wars. Yeah. And th because this is... Hayden Christensen playing Anakin as he is in Clone Wars. You can just feel it in the in the dialogue and the relationship. Um, it's uh, my heart is warming 
with every second. Um, and yeah, we have, you know, that big moment and the fight. And uh, yeah, you want to talk about what happens at the end of the fight? <laughs> and you said the lesson and everything. So essentially, as as um, before they go fighting again, right? Um, mm. He asks her again. Now I tell you, where do you choose to live or to die? And then she says, I choose neither, essentially. And he says, incorrect right, or wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't have this stuff writing written down because, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then they start, They he opens the red lightsaber. It's incredible. Then they go back eventually to the way the world between worlds are fighting. She disarms him, essentially. And she basically, she says she chooses to live. And she chooses essentially by doing that, in my opinion, and I love that this is just an opinion thing, everyone can have their own, is she chooses to overcome the challenges and the barriers that she faced as she went through her training. And she chooses to become the Jedi that she wants to be and become the Jedi that not only is just a soldier and has to keep fighting for the rest of her life and is weighed down by the guilt of that, but also she realizes that Anakin's turn isn't her fault. Anakin's mm -hmm. turn is something that she doesn't have to feel guilty for and she has to beat herself up about and be basically become such a dry person that we saw for the first half of the season and it's not the Ahsoka that we know because it's not the Ahsoka that we've that we've seen when she was younger but it seems to become the Ahsoka that she is now since learning about Darth Vader's uh that Darth Vader's identity and she hasn't been able to let that go and it is in this moment here where she says I choose to live that she chooses then to become someone that she wants to be and become her true self and be able to move on from that and that's incredible and i really really you know commend the character work here and obviously in an episode that's so focused on such an iconic character you have to get this right and i think they did a masterful job of just making it just ambiguous enough and i loved it i just loved it i just can't say anything else other than that yeah. <laughs> she basically chose the uh, the Luke path over the Anakin path. Um, and yeah, it becomes much more of this other side of what Jedi could be. And yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because I did feel like there was definitely a change in demeanor afterwards in when we're back in the in real time, basically. She did seem a little bit more, I don't want to say jovial because it was still in, like in... Yeah, but there was like a twinkle in her eyes, basically. Oh, she definitely did. She was really, yeah, much, yeah. she was much more heartfelt, more open, more welcoming. She smiled. You could see yeah. the immediate change in how she interacted with everyone around her from from that moment on. Yeah, she is just not as sullen anymore, uh, as though a great weight has been lifted from her shoulders, uh, which it definitely did. That'll be me after graduation. <laughs> Oof. Truer words have never been spoken. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so the I guess with that, uh, Anakin has completed his training, um, which again is great because I feel like that is something that Anakin himself didn't really learn or he did not, you know, pull through with it. But that's also such an Obi Wan side, um, and yeah i don't know it's, it's it's just amazing and then we go back i was kind of sad that that uh, you know looking at the runtime of this episode that almost halfway through that was it with anakin but um you know 
there was still stuff to do. Yeah, it's really um, sad because I don't know if we're ever going to get him again at this point. And this is all I want, yeah. and I want more of it. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe he'll have a have an appearance as a forced ghost at some point. If um, Dave Filoni's writing it, I don't mind. <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, and uh, Ahsoka is retrieved, uh, comes to her senses, and kind of uses the Force to sense what has happened to Sabine um, and they're kind of they don't really know what to do and then we get the ticking time clock of if the fleet is on its way because Hera uh, might be stripped of her command because she definitely did an unauthorized mission which Huyang um, comments on multiple times <laughs> did you know this was unauthorized <laughs> again a much better C-3PO um but I don't know. I love how I forget his name, but the the pilot that we had seen in the Mandalorian as well. I love that is one of these things. I know I complain a lot about the universe is uh, feels so small sometimes because they choose to have everything connect. But that was a connection I really enjoyed. That that pilot is part of like Harris brigade. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, his name is Carson Tiva. And I yes. think the annoying version of that would be if he ends up becoming force sensitive and is a Palpatine or something BS like that. <laughs> like that would be terrible. But just him yeah. showing up again is fine. I really like that kind of stuff. Well, especially on like an unsanctioned mission where yeah. she has to bring the people along that she trusts the most. Yep. And but he, yeah, they know the uh, they know each other well enough that he also, you know questions her and says are you sure this is like an uh, do, do we have to go another round and questions her all all the time and i think that is you know that shows a great deal of trust between of the between the two of them um and <laughs> i love the whole charade when when he flies towards the fleet and is like trying to just buy time very clearly but does so in a great way i thought um that's really great. I thought that was so funny. And one of the things that yeah. I also like about this episode that's hammering a, a theme throughout all of these shows, actually, is that the New Republic is the enemy. This yeah. weighted bureaucracy that's basically taking over everything that the Empire's had is the enemy. And I would love an Andor-style show of the New Republic that shows the corrosion mm -hmm. from within. That would be an absolute incredible thing. We're not going to get it because there's only <laughs> one Tony uh, Tony Gilroy and there's only one Andor, Cassian Andor, but um, yeah. just going through the, the, the rot of that organization or that government is, is just fascinating to me. Yeah, and that shows that, um, you know, we're not in the 70s anymore where it's like very... Uh, good or bad, black and black and white. It is like okay, you know the people you remember as being the good guys. Well, think again, and p things can have shades of gray, uh, which I really like. Speaking of sh uh, shades of gray, we see the pergol again. What? Yeah, transition. Great transition. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get our favorite animals, the pergol again. Um, and Ahsoka f basically false talks to them and finds out where they took Ezra and basically they do an uh, Finding Nemo thing where they just uh, you know they put the uh, it's not the ghost but Ahsoka's ship into you know into their mouth and then they uh, they teleport away 
uh, basically after after a very impressive um I don't want to say confrontation, but um, you know, meeting with the fleet, and the fleet is just like, well, we did have some big ships, but those pergils—they're huge. Do you think that's the case that happened? Do you think like that's Ahsoka talk to them and be like, "Take us here," or do you think it was something different? I don't know, because like, I'm I'm kind of like on the fence of whether or not she was like, "Take me to Ezra," or she just asked for permission to hop in their math and hope that they're taking us to Ezra mm. and then hope that they're going in the same direction. I would imagine it is the former, but, and I guess it doesn't really matter because they're going to end up wherever they are <laughs> yeah. and they're going to end up in the right place because that's what the story demands. Yeah. But I would love it if they were just like taken to the wrong place, just completely random. <laughs> and that would make zero sense but i think that it'd be funny yeah i think it'd be funny a and then it makes more sense in such for me at least in terms of their communication to be like Mm. just i need passage as opposed to i have this friend who i need to go find and this person i need to stop from returning to create an empire and whale's like huh Mm. like (laughs) i can't imagine a purgle like sitting through that entire lecture yeah it's they're basically an end Exactly. Their attention span. Exactly. They're not as patient as you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I I think actually Ahsoka says something to her young that she has no idea where they're taking them. Uh, so I think you're right. I think uh, she probably didn't talk to them to the extent of okay, here's you know, do you remember this guy Ezra? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, yeah, maybe she just asked for permission. We'll never know the intricacies of that communication, but it wasn't de- it was definitely not, hey, can you take me to Ezra and to Thrawn? Um, but something also probably on a more like feelings level, I'm pretty sure they didn't communicate verbally through the force. So maybe just like intention. She communicated her intention or something. Um Well, it calls back to Balin Skulls talking about Ahsoka a few episodes ago where he says um, her will is strong. And I think maybe mm. that's what she's conveying to the to the Purgle through the Force, is her will. And they can kind of go with that or not. Mm-hmm. And they do. <laughs> and Ahsoka is space jumped away. Um, so where are we at right now? We've obviously had an amazing episode. We've had one of the best Star Wars uh, moments ever. But where where are we going next? We're going to Peridia. <laughs> we're going oh, to the right. next galaxy over, hopefully. Uh, we'll see. Mm. I wonder if we're going to get Thrawn or Ezra quite early on. I wonder if we're going to... I would be interested to see if ahsoka ends up finding ezra first as they're meditating somewhere or whatever and then them mm-hmm. two teaming up to go try and stop thrawn um because mm-hmm. it you have to see it's like time has passed so what happened on the other side of the galaxies to like what to, to ezra and thrawn like how are they in difference what, what are the, what's going on there right mm-hmm. uh, so i'd really be interested to see how much uh is gone on over there and i i just want things to go a little go quickly i i don't know because we only have three episodes left Mm -hmm. in the season so i 
I guess we'll find out what the tone is going to be like for the next three episodes. Next episode, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, my hope is that we get to see one or one or uh, one of, or if not both, uh, uh, Thrawn and Ezra. I did not say that sentence properly, but that's my ammo by this point. <laughs> I would hope that we get to see them. Otherwise, that'd be a weird pacing thing i'm i'm constantly reminded that okay this is we have three episodes left so what are we are they gonna do and it's gonna influence um you know what what how this uh, season is going to end but you know lest we forget there are also a bunch of bad guys over there uh so that's gonna be a thing as well it would be so funny if uh, ezra and thron just became best buds and in the interim that'd be kind of funny uh (laughs) What's more likely, Thrawn becoming a good guy or Ezra becoming a bad guy? Ooh, that is so good. It's such a good question. Probably Ezra becoming bad, just by like being being influenced by Thrawn. Thrawn is so good at influencing people. Yeah, no question in my mind at all. Ezra's already played with the dark side a little bit. And I yeah, feel like true. Thrawn is like mentally strong enough and smart enough to completely twist Ezra if he wanted to into mm-hmm. the, to the dark side. So I, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it would surprise me in this context if they show up and Ezra's just like Darth Ezra. <laughs> but <laughs> oh uh, yeah, if I had to choose between those two, that'd be for sure my choice. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm just curious also to see how Ahsoka is going to be now. I'm sure the beginning of the episode is going to be her finding her way not just about herself like like metaphysically speaking but just like in the new surroundings and like orienting herself but just how she is going to be in terms of her personality that's going to be a very curious i'm going i'm very curious to see where things are going to be going i can't wait me neither it's just going to be another week but it's going to be coming so um, thank you so much. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date. Um, and for Rashad, I'm Chris. Talk to you next time. See ya.